0: So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast, and I'm your host, Thomas Hayes. Today, we're going to dive into the transformative power of personal development. Personal development isn't just about reading some book, attending a webinar, a seminar, doing a few workouts. No, it's about fundamentally altering how you perceive yourself and your potential, This week's guest is Darren Adams, owner of Dry Fork Diesel in Missouri. And years ago, Darren found himself heartbreakingly stuck with a broken body, limiting beliefs, and an underperforming shop. In this episode, he'll share his wild journey of self-discovery and how he did the hard work to transform his mind, his body, and his spirit to become absolutely unrecognizable from his previous self truly becoming the beast mode version of himself, who serves his family, his shop, and his community in ways he never thought possible. Change is hard, but staying stuck is harder. Choose your hard. Stay tuned. Effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability, which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more reach them by text or call at 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Darren, welcome to the show. Hey, Thomas. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm super excited. We had dinner, what was it, last month, and and I learned a lot about your story and, uh, I am super excited that you are willing to come on the show and share a bit of it because you have gone through pretty amazing transformation and done some things that, you know, I don't think a lot of people even know are possible in ways that you've changed your life. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be great, man. So, uh, for those that don't know you, who are you? So I'm Darren
1: Adams. I live in Southwest Missouri, born in Northwest Oklahoma, spent most of my young adult life here in southwest missouri um high school college all of that fun stuff um grew up my my father was a master senior master ford tech apprentice there as it relates to the industry apprentice there when i started at 14 i believe it was they they let me show up at the dealership uh, after school and started apprenticing there ended up doing a bunch of training with the ford program um, long story short, ended up opening went to Kenya at the end of it, kind of frustrated with the dealership world and in 20 let me see here, 2013, went to Kenya on a missions trip. And that's a whole story in and of itself, personal development and everything. Uh, it was the only it was in the bush, a lot far, far away from everyone in the bush of, of Kenya with not a, another soul I knew around for about six weeks. Um, so that was, a, that was a great experience and uh, decided in that journey that if I was going to start a business, now is the time. Um, so came back from that, grabbed my toolbox toolbox from the dealership and hung my shingle up, so to speak, out at my dad's barn in his backyard by the creek. The business name is Dry Fork Diesel. I love the diesel truck market and thought that there was a gap in the marketplace for that. And there was. So uh, back in 2013... Did a lot of power stroke, cut my teeth on Duramax and Cummins stuff. Ended up, some some of the local farmers had me work on some heavy duty trucks, big trucks, that kind of thing, and started organically from that. Um, have a lot of cool pictures and memories from twenty thirty trucks sitting around in my mom mom and dad's backyard, and my mom getting annoyed with how many vehicles were sitting around. So uh, twenty fifteen my dad actually was ready to get out of the dealership life as well and so he bought a piece of land out here by the interstate and we built a shop together out here he's the landlord i'm the business owner we put our hats on and sometimes butt heads but mostly keep our hats on straight Um, and yeah we we built an original building and then the heavy-duty truck side expanded and we had to add some technicians and we ended up adding on to the building for that and that was in 2018. And that that was kind of the in our converse, conversation uh, a while back. That was kind of the start of a lot of this transformation because that was when I kind of got this realization that we were I was in over my head. And I joined ShopFix that year. Um, my health was in a disaster that year. Um, yeah, that was that was kind of the start of it. That's how we got here. Got married in 2016. I've got three. Awesome kids—a daughter and two boys—and six, four, and two. So we got we got quite the show there at the house, and we love them.
0: Man, uh, I love the fact that your story started like most other shop owners, where you you were a technician, you know, didn't love it, but instead of like, you know, going to open a shop immediately or or doing something else, you went to Kenya. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard that one yet. Uh, how long were you there? So I left um, early August and
1: got back late September. So th- about now I got back, picked up my toolbox, went to the, like, got online and filed my fictitious name and figured out an LLC and stuff and uh, went and filed all that paperwork uh, 10 years ago this week. Wow. Did
0: How old were you? I was 20. Wow. Just just turned 21. Yeah. That's uh that's a lot of confidence, man. That's You know, kudos. Maybe it was confidence, maybe it was uh naivety. <laughs> maybe um, both.
1: Maybe a little both. <laughs> uh it, the funny story behind that is I was on the flight out there. So, if you've ever flown long distance international, there's yep. never a quick path there. There's there's multiple air, you know, air trips. Had a had a layover in Paris, an overnight layover in Paris. So French are known for being uh, very hospitable and welcoming, That's sarcasm. Yes. So if you've ever been there, they are, learn as many French words as you can, so you can have as much grace as you can while you're there. That's a whole story in and of itself, (laughs) getting off the airplane and you're getting on trams and stuff trying to find the hotel you're going to and you just kind of get dumped off in the middle of nowhere, you can't read anything um but met a person there that we just start, struck it off um he spoke he was from uh england he spoke english i spoke english so of course you know commonality out. nights and we're like hey it's us we don't understand anybody else it's so funny how when it's very easy to know and this might come up later but it's very easy when we know what the enemy is it's not that the other people were enemies it's just they weren't our friends It's very easy when you're in a wild situation like that to find the one thing that you unite on. And that is such a powerful bond where I could have met the guy here in the States and we might not have hit it off at all. Long story short, uh, he had a pretty, pretty cool story himself in his life. And he was about 10 years older than me. And he goes, dude, you're young. He's like, you're not married. You don't have kids. Why wait? Like, don't, don't wait and get married and have kids and all of that he's like, you can do it, but the best time to do it is now. If you fail, what's there to lose? And I was like, that's a really good point. So probably if it wasn't for him, and I have no idea his name, where he's like, we never exchanged information. It was just a stranger in the middle of Paris somewhere that was like, go for it. I was like, let's do it. So then we that... continued on to Kenya uh, i was actually over there because my uh, college major was uh, agronomy plant science and animal science and so uh was actually over there to try to help with their crop production at this orphanage where they had an overrun of children and struggling to buy enough food and all of that and so ended up running a construction project while i was there didn't have no intention they were supposed to be done with the construction project i was supposed to come in and help with the agriculture side of things and i got there and had to finish a construction project too um, which I'm not, I'm not avid. I've done some DIY stuff, but I've never been an avid carpenter or construction worker, but we got a, I got a good experience of that over there too. But anyway, lots of pictures and good memories.
0: Wow. I, I mean, it sounds like that was not only that conversation, but that trip was really a, a push to into your next season. It was, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's really, amazing. You know, there's these people that, you know, God puts in our life and sometimes, you know, it's out of absolutely nowhere. And in the moment, we don't even know sometimes how pivotal that conversation is. Uh, and so I I love the fact that that guy, you know, really just was able to lay it out for you, uh, and give you, you know, that confidence and, and lend you that courage to take that leap. Uh, that's, that's amazing. If, if you're listening English dude, you know, thanks for for uh, pushing, for pushing Darren. me out the door. Yeah, nudging me out of the nest. So you you get back to the states, you're you're like I'm I'm going for it. <coughs> you 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 file with the state. You know, you're all legal now. You start working. Your your dad's working with you. What was it like in those early years? I mean, did you guys? You said there was a, a hole in the market. Did you guys take off really quick? You know, what What did the business look like at that point? So I started off with a, uh, th- this might date me a bit. I started off
1: with a newspaper ad um, that said, diesel mechanic, $50 an hour. And I ran that in a couple of the local newspapers and had a cell phone and a laptop. My dad, the only thing that he really did was he was kind of my technical consultant uh, in the evening. I had I had rebuilt transmissions by that point and, you know, done major overhauls. I mean, we, we grew up, my dad didn't really have hobbies. All he did was mechanical, you know, in the garage. That was how we spent time together as I'm, I'm one of four boys. So we had no sisters. So it was, the shop was bigger and more. We spent more time out there than we did in the house, obviously. So the early days was. You know, I followed up every lead that I got. It might have been from seventy miles away, but every lead I got from anybody needing an engine rebuilt to injectors or whatever, um, I was I was writing their phone number down. And a certain I had one notebook for that, for leads to follow up with. And I was calling them back, and uh, it was pretty lean and mean. I mean, a laptop and a a cell phone, and I ran the laptop off the cell phone, and you know, didn't even have Mitchell at the time. Just kind of made some documents for receipts and obviously i outgrew that pretty quickly and and added mitchell uh, and and shop information and all that but uh he my brother actually started helping me apprenticing because i just in about and i think a year or two later because <clears throat> i was just the bookwork and trying to get a handle on getting a p l and all of that kind of stuff i wasn't being able to get between following up with customers and invoicing Uh, as, as the story typically goes, I just, there was no way to keep up. And obviously when you're working that cheap, even back then the dealer that I worked at was only 70 or 75 bucks an hour on diesel work. So 50 bucks an hour sounds ridiculously cheap today, but it was really 70 cents on the dollar, give or take. It wasn't, it wasn't that crazy underpriced. Um, my first parts vendor was a guy I had known in a long time they didn't even want to deliver out to me because I was five miles outside of town, but he gave me a $500 line of credit on nothing other than the fact, then he knew me. And he said, if you pay it off frequently, you know, we'll, we'll get your credit line upped as long as you keep paying your bill. And he gave me a piece of advice and is like, never let a friend or a customer, either one take a vehicle off your lot without getting paid. And he said, I've seen more repair shops go under because they let people, that have no business you extending credit to them, taking vehicles because then you have no way of collecting on that money. And I've slipped up a couple times down through the years, uh, but it's the words were so true and I agreed with them. I was like, "Yeah, you're right." And then there were times I wanted to. Somebody's trying to lean on me. I was a little, I was green. I didn't know any better. And uh, that those words came back, and I was like, "No, he's right. Pete's right. I better not. I better not let him go." And uh it's that you know, talking about the people that stepped in at that at that right time and just had a word, sometimes you don't realize how powerful that one little one liner might be in somebody's life. And it was for me anyway.
0: That's uh, that's a really wise piece of advice he gave you. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening and, and you're that guy that's like, you know, especially I, I think this happens more in a small community. You know, absolutely. I, I live in a small community and, and there's, you know, just a different sense of, of your neighbors. Um, but yeah, don't, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so easy to become enemies over the thing. And,
1: and one of the lines that I've used a lot was I value our friendship and our relationship so much that if this is a deal breaker, just please use somebody else that you can do this with. Cause I don't want it to come between us. It's going to get awkward real fast. Cause that's what happens.
0: Yeah. So you, I mean, really figuring out a lot of things, you're taking advice and wisdom from other people. You know, you're recognizing when, okay, this system doesn't work. I I should probably get, you know, Mitchell or some sort of shop management software. Like, it sounds like you're, you're really pretty quickly getting some things under you and and getting a foundation. Um, What, what, what were sales like in the early years? Yeah. So
1: I remember getting thirty to $40,000 a month solo. And I thought, you know, because because I was trying to do, I was trying to myself do about 200 hours a month. That was my goal, was to do 200 hours a month by myself. Because I knew I could do 70, 80 hours at the dealership. Um, and I knew I was going to be less efficient. But in the early days, I was also working. And this is true up until about, three years ago. You can ask my wife, unfortunately. I was working six to nine, 10. And that's not three hours. It's like 15 to 18 hour days consistently. And not that that's healthier than anybody should do it, but I didn't know what else to do. Uh, The trucks were there. And somewhere in the midst of that, I definitely got some... I got frustrated and burned out. And again, another person came in. I talked to a guy, went to Vision for the first time up in Kansas City, Found
0: a. That's a good show, man.
1: Trying to find. Yeah. Trying to find a Duramax class because I was getting Duramax trucks and I didn't really understand much about them, didn't know how they work. So, uh, found a class and it was that weekend. I found it Friday and the class was Saturday, the next day up in Kansas City. Had no idea the event existed. So, I call them up. All of them hurt. I, I got to be there tomorrow. So, I hustle up. I'm in Southwest Missouri. It's two hours away. I drive up to Kansas City. While I'm there, I meet a guy um yeah his name is joe sievert if anybody knows him he's a big part of the vision board Yeah, i think he's vp of of something up there and he was telling me at the time how he had a shop doing a million dollars a year and he was making 20 percent net and i was like holy cow man like that's 200 grand you're making 200 grand a year that's crazy talk um and obviously looking back now I'm like, man, that's, you're just barely getting started. But at the time, I mean, he was seasoned and seasoned operator and I was, you know, I was making 30, 40 grand a year net maybe. Um, and so I just thought that's, that was enormous numbers. This money I'd never, I was hoping I could make six figures one day. I mean, that was kind of the the big dream was maybe I could make six figures one day and, you know, have a newer truck. Vision changes as time goes on, obviously. Um, But yeah, that was a, a, when he shared that, he spent, bless his heart, he probably spent, I heard him mention that to somebody else and I was walking by and I heard him mention that in conversation to another person. And I just like stopped and I turned around, I walked back and I walked up to the circle and I just stood there until those two were done. And it was probably a 30 minute conversation. When he was done, he looked at me, he's a shorter guy and I'm six one. And of course he's, you know, kind of waited on them to get done. He comes over and he's like. How can i help you and i was like you got to tell me how and so we did and we sat there for probably i skipped the next class i don't know what it was but we skipped the next class and he just sat there for probably an hour hour and a half talking to me about that and funny enough i just i just talked to him two yesterday or day before um, about something completely random but let me in got in that in that 20 group for a while and really helped move the needle forward um, it, it was helpful. I got, I was with that group for a while and it was, it was helpful. And then I kind of got to the point where it was like, that's not, I'm not getting a lot of value out of it. And so I decided to, uh, uh, to move on from there. But again, just that, just a person right there, you've always got to be hungry for, you can get caught up with going to everything. Uh, but especially in the early years in the grind, you might trip over your next million dollars and not know it if you don't stop and ask. Because there is some gold out there from guys. And even even though he wasn't, that one man wasn't the end all be all for my shop, it helped me turn. Because I was at a point where I was like, I'm going to shut the shop down. I knew some friends in, uh, I'd been through a breakup at that point all at the same time. So it was kind of like a saga story. And I'm like, I've got, I either got to make some serious net or I know I can go make 100, 150 grand. Cause that was right. my, like, if I can make six figures, we're meant. And so that was, I knew some friends in Oklahoma City and Dallas both. And I just knew I, I was like, I could go move in with them. I know I could find a dealership around there. I have a lot of my, I had all of my online stuff. They just never sent me to the in classroom stuff yet. And so I could be up to senior master certified super quick within a year or two. You know, I'd be making six figures in a year easily. And he was there, and that was the guy I needed to talk to, so that I didn't bail off the boat and go another direction. And I'm glad I did. Now, you know, my life would be very, very different. You know, yeah. had I not taken the chance and started the company, had I not went, okay, I'm going to stick this out another year. We're going to make this happen. There is a way. It is possible. Sometimes that's all people need to know is that it is possible. Uh, and they're like, oh, okay, you're saying it's possible. All right, I'm going to take it and run with it. Uh, Sometimes you just have to do it in faith because it doesn't seem possible at the time, but sometimes that's all you need.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing a theme with you where, you know, this hunger you mentioned, you know, a little while ago, uh, it's led you to be humble and to, you know, recognize when there are these people that you need to listen to. Uh, That is a huge lesson Uh, That it sounds like you learned, you know, pretty early on um, that's, you know, I think served you really well in those early years. Uh, And I think that, you know, all of us, you know, need to be mindful of, of that phenomenon that happens. And and I think a lot of times, you know, if you're not recognizing through that humility that you do need answers, you'll miss it, you know, and all these opportunities are put in your path and you know if there's that that how i got it figured out you're never ever gonna hear what you need to hear to move forward
1: man that is so true i there's a there's a legitimate phrase for that it's called the dunning-kruger effect and you may know all about it now tell me like so on the in the flag behind me uh that has the crest on it and the american flag built into one you know you might understand a fair bit about a subject, and it might be one of the stars in size comparison to the whole subject. But because, because all you can see is the blue right around you, you think, man, I know quite a bit about this subject. And it until you actually get around people that are 10, 20, 50, 100x past you, do you realize, wait a minute, I don't understand it any like i'm barely scratching the surface and it's so easy when you keep when you're uh when you're a goldfish in a in a little fish bowl you feel pretty big you get tossed in the ocean and you're the size of a clownfish in the ocean you are you are nothing and you know the one of the mistakes i've made and i see tons of when i was a youth group leader for several years um, in the church that i used to to go to one of the things i really really tried to impart to the young people there was Stop paying attention to your broke, dumb friends that don't have any life experience. And they're giving you relationship advice, and all they have is like a trail of bodies behind them. Yeah. Right? Of bad relationships. And I think we all fall into that trap where we ask questions from people that are comfortable and they're familiar to us. We seek familiarity and we don't even we don't ask the right questions from the right people. We ask people that we're comfortable asking right around us and we don't realize that. I need to be asking marriage advice from from somebody that's seventy years old and has a fifty year marriage. Now, I also need somebody shoulder to shoulder with me that's right, you know, that's that's relevant and and adapt helps me adapt to today. But there's timeless truths out there that you're not going to get when you ask your uncle Ricky that's been married four times. Good luck getting solid marriage advice. But we see that happen over and over again. We get shop owners that. Um, and I've done it you ask advice from another business I had a, a, a great story about uh, an uncle from my wife talking about an uncle Ricky his name is not Ricky but uh, the the, the ex- example fits there. I was asking him business advice early on. well as I got older and started doing it was I quickly realized wait a minute I'm far surpassing his business acumen and like the size and scope of what he's trying to run he's running a good old boy little glass shop. You know, I don't know what kind of revenue he was doing, but it was a janky outfit. And I, but early on, I thought he had it all figured out. Um, and not that every piece of advice he gave me was bad, but it it wasn't great. And you don't realize how much information you're getting is bad until you, until you put yourself around people that are, like I said, 10 times ahead of you. Uh, There's so much value that and sometimes you have to pay to be in the room. Sometimes there's no other way to get there except pay to be in the room. Um, But if you, if you're in that room, the chances of you growing, like if they're 10 X ahead of you, the chances of you doubling is pretty solid. If they're 20% ahead of you, you're not going to see the needle move. You're just, it's, I mean, if you get, you just barely move forward, you're never going to hockey stick and take off.
0: In your experience, which. I mean, dude, we could end the episode right now, and and there's, you know, there's so much wisdom that if someone listens and implements, like you, you're going to do really well. Um, but I, I do want to dig into a little bit of what you said when you're looking for someone who can pour into you. How have you been able to recognize that? You know, the difference between the you know, the facade that someone puts Mm. up and what's really behind the curtain for you to know, Hey, this person is legitimately someone that can pour into me. It's funny
1: you asked that. So I'm a Missouri boy. So you, um, it's called the show me state for a reason. Um, I'm a little fundamentally, I'm pretty cynical. Um, I don't naturally trust people. I had a psychology class in college that was one of those like he did an experiment on us in class. He broke the class up into three groups. And so two of the groups went out. He shows us a video and he asked us all a question about the video. And it was a picture of a vehicle encountering a telephone pole. Okay. So that's the overarching theme. So one group he asked, How fast was a vehicle going when it bumped the pole? The next group of us he asked, How fast was a vehicle going? when it smacked the pole. And then the third one was how fast was the vehicle going when it crushed into the pole, okay? And obviously from that setup that I did of that story, you know the outcome is that the people were primed to give a low answer, a medium answer and a high answer. And the averages came in and I don't remember the specific averages but that was just a huge light bulb moment to me that people are always manipulated by their environment and the priming that's happening to them all around them. And, and we don't even understand all of the things that are encountering to us to do that. So yes, how do you know how to f- notice somebody? Like who's signal and who's noise? Who's the racket that's just running their mouth? And some of it is just a sixth sense. Like you've just been around and heard some people. Um, you know. I, and I've also been duped and i think that's how you like when you realize you've been duped and you you've been paying attention to somebody super easy to do in the online scope of today is somebody can you know rent a lambo and rent out an airbnb and drop 50k on a weekend and shoot a bunch of videos people do this and get a ton of content and you just got to be wise i don't have a great answer other than you know the the bible says look at the fruits And so one of the things that I always, one of the filters that I always looked for was I don't want billions of dollars, but my kids want nothing to do with me. That was always one of my filters. And so when I would start paying attention to somebody, I I never asked, but I would always start just paying attention. Do they, are they still married to their same wife? To me, that's not that that's an end all be all, but like how good are they at their relationships? If, if they married every other year to a new person, I, I'm sorry, I'm probably not going to take any advice from that person because there's something wrong. There's something wrong up here. They're either selecting a bad person or they're a bad person. And either way, I don't want their advice on something. Um, if their kids want nothing to do with them, like great, they're super, super successful, but you you tiptoe into a subject and you, and you ask about kids and they don't have a great relationship with their kids, I'm gonna weight that differently. So there's very, very few people um, that are winning in all three areas of health, wealth, and relationships. And when you find people like that, you have to, and you can't, I don't trust people like, boom, I become their friend right off the bat. And it's it's a good and bad trait, both. It's a double-edged sword, because there's times that you know I don't get brought into the fold, so to speak, in an inner group real fast. But I've also been burned where I started trusting people and, you know, they led me astray and I didn't realize it for quite a while. So, um, you know, with the modern day night project, there's, there's a lot of hoorah and macho men and stuff in that. And, you know, some of them are genuine, like some of the, the best men I've ever met on the face of the planet. And there's some dudes that are just chest thumpers and just got an ax to grind and an ego to stroke. And some of them are all over social media, and it'll come out in the wash. Like I, I think they're headed to a train wreck. I've seen enough. I think they're headed to a train wreck. But I don't know if that answers your question. But you know, you have to have you have to know what your core values are as a person and what you value, because otherwise, you will be you will be just you know as it says tossed about with every wind. You'll just be the wind comes like oh let's go chase that shiny object. Um, but as time goes on, you start realizing that. Okay, great. They're crushing it at business, but they're house in the toilet. One of the things you uh, one of the one things I love to do is ask people you know look at their calendar because you find out real quick what's important in people's lives, um, even my own if if you're not scheduling date night, if it's a not if it's not a non-negotiable, if you don't have a set time that's date night every week for you and your spouse, and you're not taking your kids on dates, um, but you've got eighty-seven meetings and uh, these objectives, and you're going to do that, and you got you 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 all the time. But there's nothing in your schedule for your family and your health and your relationships. Cool, you're winning in one aspect. There's so many other aspects of life, and so anyway, went a long tangent on that. But there's so there's there's more than just meets the eye. That's, that's the rule. There's more than meets the eye and you have to dig deeper and find out the whole package because you might take a piece of advice and get some unintended, you know, you're getting the whole recipe there. You take a bite of brownie. There's a lot of ingredients that goes into a brownie besides just cocoa powder. And you think, oh, I I like the chocolate flavor, but you're getting a bunch of other stuff with it. And what is in the recipe? Because you're getting all of it.
0: All right again, ton of wisdom in that. What I want to really take a look at is how you got here. How did you get to this place of wisdom? And, and I mean, you know, really beyond your years, I mean, you're, you're not, you know, you're, you're in your thirties, right? I'm 31. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're younger than me. Uh, (laughs) you're doing good, man. So I'm an old soul. I grew yeah. up without TV and without cell phones
1: and I got called Amish boy in school. They thought I had wooden <laughs> phones the whole bit.
0: Yeah. We're, uh, I think we're cut from similar cloth there. Uh, yeah, we're, we're old millennials. Uh, so let, let's I've talk got about to prove
1: it. I don't even see it. I got a little gray coming in.
0: Well, I've got a lot coming in. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's talk about how you got to this place. I, I know that, you know, the shop doing reasonably well you know you're growing all these things but i know that there was a point we talked about you know before the before the episode of, of really what became your your you know rock bottom dark night of the soul whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it and and i believe that that season and what came out of it is a lot of you know really why you possess the wisdom you have and are as successful as you are so tell us about What led to that? What was that like? Walk us through that. Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their clients' sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust leads near me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google certified partners, they know how to make a top ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888-953-2379. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count.
1: So I'll, I'll start by, by running the clock back to Kenya. So when I was there, I saw the need there in Kenya is probably one of the best third world countries to visit. As far as the risk, like if you hold your iPhone out in public, it's going to get stolen, right? There's riffraff going on. Don't steal anything. I was, I, uh, got involved in a car wreck. I was driving the van, got involved in car wreck, almost got burned alive. They, wow. they went and got gas and was gonna burn us in the van and all. I mean, you've seen videos like that. You've seen pictures of that in third world countries, But it's not, I mean, it's not as crazy as a lot of others. It's a relatively safe speaking country overall. There's health risk. You know, we could, we could talk a long time about that. Uh, there was a guy that stole some potatoes in the market. And so I'm driving through, there's just crowds of people and this guy, uh, pop, pop, pop. And you know, 50 feet away, this dude's down on the ground and he got shot three times. Guns are illegal. By the way, over there, but got shot three times because he stole some potatoes from a lady. So it's just, it's a different totally world. different situation in a lot, and you don't realize the stress that people are in just existing day to day. And so what I saw was a, a world filled with a bunch of, let me use the word corrupt men and bad leaders. And so I had a very, like a a light bulb pivotal moment was like, I was talking with this person, we were talking about earlier about, um, meeting somebody and unite quickly when everybody else is different around you. And, you know, unfortunately when you're in that area and everybody else is speaking another language and you're picking up on Swahili here and there, learning a few words and, and trying to communicate because there's the English is struggle at best. Um, I'll put it that way. So, you know, you're trying to communicate, you're trying to learn as much Swahili as you can, and all this. You're just inundated with information, information, information. And you meet somebody, they're, you know, one instance, I met somebody from Germany and they spoke terrible English, but we were able to speak enough English that we could understand each other. And we actually talked for quite a while. Um, But it's just weird how you meet somebody from the Western culture in there. So, what I saw was this giant void and America's 5% of the world population, 5%, we're nothing. Like there's so many people in this world that aren't like, I'm so blessed. I won the lottery being born in the United States. I truly believe that. Um, and not, so first of all, I saw this obligation. So after I talked to that guy from England, I was like, if I don't mash the gas, and give it a shot then i'm letting all of these children there's a wonderful little girl named husna that just you know as it typically goes i think uh, tj was just i don't know if he was in kenya or rwanda or he was over there in that i think he was in kenya um area and they just have a way to steal in your heart and i remember leaving on the bus and her standing on the sidewalk because she couldn't go with me so it's a nine-hour bus ride back over horrific roads and police stops and spike strips and the whole bit uh to get back to the capital city to get on an airplane and leave and i have this kind of sinking realization that i get to leave and go home like i'm so privileged i have such an opportunity to go home i'm going back to an amazing prosperous area with freedoms and opportunities this girl is realistically looking at a shoddy education at best The chances of her getting anything further than, you know, what we would consider probably grade school education is very, very low. And she's probably going to have a handful of kids because of rape and all kinds of stuff. Like her outlook on life. I I broke down on the bus leaving and I still have this image of her tears flowing down her face on the sidewalk as I'm on the bus, looking out the window and realizing we just have, Like I always had this hope of going, my home has opportunity. Her opportunities are nothing compared to what mine are. And I'm letting her down. I'm letting the 95% of the world down, let alone right around us. If I don't take advantage of what God's placed me here and around. Um, And maybe I'm, maybe I'm not the best steward that he has, but you know, I've got to be I've got to continually become a better steward. So the the element that I really got from that is there's such a severe lack of leadership, everything rises and falls on leadership. And I really got a great picture of that. Um, And so that led me in a sense on a journey of like, I really got this deep vision of where there is no, where there's no vision the people perish and where there's, there's no clear leadership, nothing can assemble. Here I was, I'm one dude in the middle of the African bush trying to help a handful of people. I can't have, like, you've never heard this story. I've never had any massive impact that you've seen. I've never, not that it needs to be on the news. That's not what I'm going for. But my impact is tiny. And I want to do the impact that I can. But without leadership, you can't magnify anything. So that was kind of the, that was the, like this deep, I've got to learn. Leadership. And so that then sent me down, obviously, a, a wild rabbit hole of, you know, I'm 20, 20, 21 years old, something like that. And I'm reading Entree Leadership and John Maxwell books. And um I think Extreme Ownership had come out by that point, somewhere in through there. And I had read that. And I just went on like a book tear. All of, you know, as, as Aaron says, uh, I've heard Aaron Stokes say, full of piss and vinegar. I mean, I was. I was that I had, I was a lot full of ambition and, um, just going for it. So that probably, that was probably like the, the essence of what started. Like a personal development journey. I'd never seen the human aspect. I'd always been very emphasis on the intellectual side, like learning math, learning science, like being, and that was what I was brought up in is like, the smarter you are, the better you are in a sense. And then I realized that, wait a minute, there's this whole other human aspect that if you don't have, you'll never have, you'll never scale. You'll never have the ability to rally the troops around a common cause so that you can actually solve problems in the world. It's just you fixing another car, it's just you helping one more person, which is needed. We need all of that in life, but leadership is a magnifier. If you don't have leadership and a vision and money, you're, you're really not going to change a lot. And so that was probably my my early
0: flight down that path. Um so Darren, I mean, just what you're saying, you possess a wisdom that is definitely beyond, you know, typically what a 31-year-old would have. Um and one thing that we've talked about uh in the past is is some of the journey that you had even beyond, you know, this season in your early, you know, 20s and mid 20s. Uh you know, I know that really before you absolutely just broke through and, and flipped the switch, as, as you've said uh, to me before it happened to you, you experienced this dark night of the soul, this rock bottom hmm. in your journey. I would like to talk about that. What was that, that rock bottom that really catapulted you through? I think the understanding that
1: we talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect earlier and how i thought i was learning a lot and becoming a better leader and then just some of those realizations that man i am not when you get around people that truly are you're like wow i've got a lot of room to grow Uh, and some of it just comes with age and maturity as well Um, but quickly found myself in a situation where i was wrangling the business and making it happen, you know, forcing it along the journey. But I found myself in a place where uh, my health had deteriorated significantly. Um, I'd always been pretty active as a young person, and you know, I I had uh, I was at a place where I could walking up a flight of stairs was just terrible. Um, You know, I gained quite a bit of weight, went into the office, gained quite a bit of weight. Um, I actually started having a situation in the morning where uh, I I called it rigor mortis, where I would wake up and I could not, I couldn't set up out of bed. I had to roll out of bed onto the floor uh, and crawl into the living room uh, and get in a recliner for a couple hours and sleep there kind of back and forth. Sleep went way down the hill. I wasn't getting good quality sleep at all. Um, Then you add the stress of growing and customers and uh, all of that. It was 2018 is when that really, really set in. I kind of hit a wall with the growth of the shop as well. I was stuck about, you know, I think I had done a $200,000 month, but I was in the mid 100s and just, just, you know, getting by um, net profit was up. I was north of 15% and the group I was in was like, whoa, you're crushing it. And I was like, that's okay. You know, I'm kind of kind of used to it. You know, we're, I feel like I got a lot of low hanging fruit still, uh, but at the same time, they were telling me I was my numbers were all wrong, and I was like, "But I'm making more net than anybody in the group, so I don't understand what I'm doing wrong there." But you know, so i kind of hit a wall with that, and my health was down down the tubes, and I started having this situation where I just, you know, maybe maybe God let me go through this so that I have more empathy on people that that uh that have chronic pain i don't know um but it was it was debilitating and uh, so 2018 was a little bit of a spark and we talked about that some sometimes you can like flip the light switch on a little bit and it's like one little 20 watt bulb in the middle of the room you're like okay all right we're gonna make some difference and i signed up with a personal trainer in late 2018 and we figured out a workout schedule and to this day, I still work out with that same trainer the same three days a week. I do other stuff on my own, but he's become a, an amazing friend of mine. And when I signed up for a marathon, he decided, okay, fine, I'll do it with you. And um, so we, we have a great relationship that's lasted to this day, really, we bounce a lot of stuff off each other. And he helps push me at times. And uh, I push him at times now and uh, challenge him uh, in certain things. but that was kind of my first glimmer of like, I got to do something. Uh, and, and a phrase that I've learned later since is action alleviates anxiety. A-A-A. It's a little acronym. Action alleviates anxiety. So that was an uh, an example of that. I took some action. I signed up with a personal trainer, showed up, puked the first day. Actually, puked the first three times I went. Um, it was supposed to be an hour workout. Didn't even make it 30 minutes. And he wasn't even trying to push me that hard. It was like, I think I could barely bench press like 95 pounds, like put a 25 on each side of the bar. And we talked about it here not long ago. And he was like, dude, you were in bad shape. Like you were in not, not like physical shape. Like you were in a bad situation. You were in a bad condition health-wise. And so that that started it. And then I joined uh, another coaching group, Shot Fix at the time at that point and started, got a few light bulbs from that. Started looking at my numbers a little bit differently, uh, looking at things like what was important, what numbers, what KPIs were a little more, like the first numbers were great, uh, but these are kind of the next layer of the onion. Let's put a little deeper, get a little deeper in there. Uh, and that was very instrumental. Um, but I would say rock bottom was, uh, I had a, a really great mentor and friend of mine owns a steel construction. So they make, manufacture steel buildings. All over the U.S., uh, they built a few airports and uh, maybe I don't know, some stuff for Walmart and stuff, big super centers and stuff. Um, <clears throat> built our building here as well because we knew the guy. Um, so that he has this plant where they build the giant I beams and then ship them all over the country and all of that. Very great. Him and him and Dave Ramsey are on a somewhat personal level. He goes out to Dave Ramsey's events all the time. Um, he, he's got three brothers and they're all phenomenal people just amazing humans. Anyway, we sat down, I got the opportunity to go to breakfast with him one day and, uh, we've been able to do it several times since, but he took me to breakfast and we we were sitting there and one of the questions he asked me was, uh, you know, when, when did you realize, wh- who told you and when was that moment that you realized you went from a boy to a man? Because it's a question that a lot of young men have is, you know, where was that, where was that moment that we switched from a boy to a man and uh you know am i enough that's one of the common questions we ask we're constantly subconsciously asking from our fathers or our ma- male role model in our life am i enough do i have what it takes and you know looking back i could see myself doing that a lot with my father it was like i was trying to prove myself to him and i think a lot of us can relate with that where we, we grew up in a situation where you know the words i'm proud of you was probably non-existent um If it happened, it was rare. And you just kind of have this unanswered question. And so that's 2020, give or take. So going through COVID um, had, you know, rural community, small community. We had, I had some farmers uh, show up and literally cuss me out to my face and tell me that it was, they were under stress. Looking back now, they were stressed out. Crop prices were way down. We had pig farms around here that, They just had to slaughter all the pigs and haul them off. Like it was just, there was no market. They couldn't, there was no place to ship them. So they just had to go bury them, dig a giant hole and bury thousands of hawks. And it was a terrible situation. And looking back now, I realized they were under a ton of stress and they were just, we, we all as humans try to give off what we don't want. Like we have negativity poured onto us and we're just, most negative people are just trying to get rid of it, man. They just, they got so much of it. Their cup is overflowing with negativity and they're just trying to get rid of it. And I was pretty insecure at the time, and I took that super personal. Um, one of them in particular, you know, read me the right act, told me I'd be begging on my knees at his doorstep and all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, for his business. And I was like, well, I don't, that shook me up for a long time because I had a lot of pride in doing a good job and trying to do right by people and and all of that. And it was just kind of like poof, slapped up against the face, like, no, it's not, that's not enough. So. <clears throat> Um, again, several books and uh, just I was at a place I remember probably the most profound moment is I, I, I had learned at that point that my pain would disappear if I got in an ice bath. And so I got up one morning and it was it was pretty bad. Um, you know, I was taking probably 20 ibuprofen a day and tile, you know, mix, just way too much, way too much. Um, that was, I would get up in the morning, crawl to the recliner, had a, had a little cubby hole there. I put ibuprofen in it the night before because I'd feel great the night before. I could walk around. I could do what I need to the next morning. Could not, I couldn't get in my a car first thing in the morning. My head wouldn't bend enough to get in the car. Um, so uh, ice bath. So we're, Ended up spending like 10 minutes in the, I put a deep freeze out on the back porch and just plug it in and, and, you know, adapt and, you know, when it freezes over, chip it off and unplug it and kind of was working it that way. Um, it was a cold morning. It was probably frost outside. And I remember sitting there just honestly, just crying, not a crier a lot, but just crying. Cause I was like, whatever it was, 28 years old. Um, it's progressing fast doctors have no idea what's going on. I just, I'm in extreme pain early in the morning. I can't move. Um, it gets better throughout the day and then it's all sets back in at night. Can't hardly, I can't sleep in my own bed. I was at the point I was pretty much sleeping all night in the recliner. Um, just cause that was the only position that kind of felt good. But even in that, in the morning, it would take hours for me to get to the point I could actually get in, like set in a vehicle and get my head down and, and get it around. Um, so that was kind of, but I realized that the more active I was, the better it got. So it's kind of like almost the opposite of arthritis. I don't know um, how that works exactly, but the more physically active I stayed, the better my health was. So like, well, maybe that's a, a sign because I would go to the workout. I'd have 5 a.m. workouts with a trainer and like I, di- I hardly got any sleep. I would force myself to go in there and then he'd put me through a workout and I would feel halfway decent afterwards. So we start putting the puzzle pieces together, and um, so all wrapped up in that is this: is this, uh, you know, I'm just my health is going downhill. The business is doing okay, but it's really just stuck. It's not going anywhere. I had big, big aspirations. I was wanting to go multi-location. I was wanting to grow the shop. Um, I was wanting to become a better leader. I was wanting to become off-site, and I'm still stuck in the treadmill phase. Um, and just kind of that realization: like my 20s are basically done. Uh, and things are getting more overwhelming and I'm getting worse health-wise, not better. Um, So anyway, insert uh, reading some books and the Modern Day Night Project came up and it was, I, I had done a lot of reading on rites of passage for young men and how almost every culture down through time has had rites of passage for young men as they transition into adulthood, whether that be dumping them off in the freezing water in January, in the middle of Idaho or something as a a native tribe, um, or, you know, whatever, drinking your first pint of ale or something, uh, you know, the Irish or there's some, uh, folklore around that. But anyway, almost every, every culture has had some sort of rite of passage from, from, uh, child into adulthood and. We just, the only thing that I had come to possible uh, possibility was when a young man asked for a daughter's hand in marriage was that that was kind of a, you know, you'll never be good enough for her, but you've passed the test, so to speak. If he—if the father can put his blessing on you when you ask for a daughter's hand in marriage, like that was a form that was about as close as I got. Um, and so. This program showed up. It was a a meandering path to get there. And I signed up. Uh, I think it was like $10,000 at the time to sign up and go. It was a serious chunk of change. And we talked about it. You got to pay to pay attention. And I knew that I wasn't going to... I was in a situation where I was comfortable. But but more importantly, I wasn't uncomfortable enough. uh, Because there's no transformation without pain and i needed something to hurt enough to kind of snap me out of it so to speak i knew that enough that i was in a spot i was just kind of in a trance i was going through the motions as the book Outwitting the devil says you're just in that hypnotic rhythm you're going through the motions i'm doing some workouts but i'm not getting better i'm not getting the results i want um my health is continuing to go downhill the shop is just kind of sliding sideways my relationship is mediocre at best at home. I have very little relationship with my kids because I'm at the shop from 6, 7 in the morning till 8, nine, ten at night. And I was like, something's got to change. So I signed up for this event. I go out there. And obviously, there's a ton of training ahead of time. And it is for a Midwestern civilian like me, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And, and there's details that I that I can't share because it's proprietary and it's part of the experience. I don't want to run it for anybody that would ever go out there uh, and do it. But one of the things we talk about in that is flipping the switch. And I never realized what they were talking about until you're there. And I can see it in the pictures that they sent me afterwards. So they, they have a camera crew and they're doing pictures the whole time. And that first night, it's... 38 degrees and raining in Southern California, if you can believe that. Um, our clothes were frozen together the next morning, and we're out there all night, crawling through uh, just a gravel dirt pit, hands and knees, all scraped up, um, over and over and over, and just you know doing. And there's so many teaching lessons in there, and I can't even don't have time to go into that. But there's so many teaching lessons that they they are. I, looking back, and I watch other groups go through it, I'm like, ah, they're about to get the the lesson on the you know, listening to authority just because it's authority. And, you know, there's there's so many good great lessons in there. Uh, and that's actually the takeaway from it is all of those, all of the lessons that that come in. That's, it's really great programming, but they have to, as the sense is, or, or the saying is you have to break you down before they can build you up. And you can see the light dim in everybody's eyes. That first night, people are ringing the bell and quitting. I mean, people have paid 10 grand, 12 grand, whatever it was, it was a lot of money. And people are ringing three hours in. And going, I quit. Grown dudes are going, I quit. And in the pictures, you can see everybody's cold. We had five people going to hypothermic shock. Um, a couple of them ended up in the hospital. A few of them like stayed in the fight there and actually ended up graduating later. But it was it was some pretty gnarly conditions from from a, a hyperthermic situation. And the next morning, we got like an hour of sleep, maybe. I don't even know if it was that. And we went out to the beach and did uh, surf torture spent a couple hours in the beach, Newport beach out there, same conditions, 40 mile an hour winds, 38, 40 degrees. Um, and just, you could see everybody was just they're exhausted, but more importantly, their, their spirit had left, everybody's struggling, everybody's suffering. And there's something magical about when you get to a point where you've invested enough, I think a lot of shop owners can relate this. Like I've put enough into this, taking us back to that. That I was like, I've got to make the business make good net profit or I'm going to close the doors. It's like we're at a crossroads. And so you get there in this experience, you get there where you come to a fork in the road and you're like, Am I going to quit? Am I a bell ringer or am I going to push through? And you can see the light bulb come on in the pictures. You can see this happen, this transformation happen where guys go from just this very defeated, their countenance is down. Uh, you can just tell in the pictures and the videos are just they're beat down to they get this look in their face of like, it doesn't matter what you do to me. You will have to take me out of here in a body bag. Um, and and we did. We got to bury ourselves alive, write our eulogy, um, get in a body bag, uh, get dirt poured on top of us. Um, and, you know, there, there was evolution after evolution of, you know, pushing you beyond what you thought was reasonable or even legal. Uh, uh, We'll say it that way. Um, But there's something about doing that and testing yourself beyond your wildest imagination that allows you to turn abnormal into normality. Uh, I mentioned something about a friend that he runs a 5K every day. And three years ago, I was like, that's insane. That is not healthy for you. It's not a big deal, man. It's like 30 minutes of cardio. People go do 30 minutes of cardio all the time. It's just your mindset. It's that story you tell yourself of, oh, I would never do that. Um, I've had people like, I will never own a new truck. That's just insane. Why would you ever buy a new truck? That's a waste of money. Well, then now they have to deal with that cognitive dissonance in their mind when it comes time for them, like, wait a minute, I now it makes sense. I'm so busy working on my old truck every weekend or every once a month to keep it going. It doesn't make sense for me anymore. That's a bad use. Of my time effort and energy flipping the switch is in essence the only way that you can do it that i have found is you have to put yourself willingly put yourself through suffering that you because life what's the saying life sucks and then you die like it's just part of life and so one of the ways i've reframed success for me is the degree to which i get to choose the suffering that i endure if I choose what I struggle with, that's a win. Because if I don't, something's going to come along because we will naturally calm down to the point that we allow mm-hmm. a struggle to come. If we don't put effort into our relationships, one day you'll wake up, wake up and your relationship will be no more. And that's mm-hmm. a struggle. Or you can struggle to get out of the shop and go on a date with your wife. Or take your daughter to Chuck E. Cheese or whatever it is that's mini golf or whatever it is that's important to her or him. And you can endure that small micro dose of this is frustrating. I have to shut it for the greater good for playing the long game down the road. You do the like so you choose your pain and suffering like you either have micro doses today that you get to choose or you you wait for it because of atrophy, you let it, you let the situation atrophy to the point that becomes so big that now it's forced pain and suffering on top of you. Um, yeah, that, that's probably the best. We could go down a deep rabbit hole on that, but that's probably, you have to struggle is going to find you. If you don't create it yourself, it's going to show up in your life. If you just let your hand off the throttle, everything falls apart. If you don't do anything, if you own a home, you don't do any maintenance ever. At some point, the house just needs to be demolished and start over. If you don't do anything with your relationship, if you don't take any proactive activity on your shop or your business or your health, wealth, relationships, anything, everything atrophies to nothing. And so you either choose the small dose that you get to choose today to make you a little stronger, or you just let off the gas and let everything coast down to nothing and you get to and you get that struggle but you don't intentionally choose that. And to me that's to me that's what one of the things that drives me is it's kind of a weird probably a twisted way of looking at it but if i choose the pain that i go through i also get to choose the joy as well because there's always sunshine on the other side of the storm cloud. There's always, you know, a rainbow after a storm. And there's always everything in life is a double-edged sword and so you have to choose what you're going to struggle with um you know they say new levels new devils you know everything money solves money problems it doesn't solve all the problems it solves money problems and then you're left with everything else and i've seen that over and over again where people they make a lot of money and all of a sudden now they have the problem in their head the story that their dad told them or their mom or their mother-in-law or you know you're not smart you're not strong you're not you're not good at math We've all had stories of some sort, some negative stories spoken over us. And the recipe to fix that is you have to intentionally put yourself through something that makes the abnormal normal. You have to make, like Sunday, we worked, got up at 5 a.m. I have three or four guys that met me there, started a little band. We At 5 a.m., we started working out, and not a, like a music band, but oh, band, okay. band of
0: brothers. So yeah. <laughs>
1: um either way music what (laughs) um so you know we started working out at 5 a.m and we said we're going to go for three hours and so we just did a horrific three-hour workout um the weekend before we ran 15 miles you know with a weighted vest on and we do that not because we're i I don't do that I, i barely post about it at all i don't want any accolades or anything for it i do that because I don't want any music. I don't want anything going on. It is my time to deal with my inner dialogue. What am I telling myself when I'm going through tough things, when I'm stepping into the ice of you want to get better at firing people do ice baths, man. Like there's <laughs> nothing that never is easy. It's never fun. It's never easy, but you realize the faster you get in, the faster you get out, the faster you get in and just Take it. And you just jump in, you let that you let that cold water come around you. You're struggling with firing people, you're struggling with having difficult conversations. Do something uncomfortable on the other side, like in a completely different area of life, and exercise that muscle of I don't have to seek pleasure all the time. I'm going to seek what makes me stronger and seek to be respected instead of liked, loved, and you know, praised and all of that stuff.
0: Wow, Darren, I mean it sounds like that the transformation made you unrecognizable from your former self. Physically, you you found how to overcome, you know, the, the pain, the the chronic pain you were in. And it was through struggle. It was through mm-hmm. the uncomfortableness of getting up, moving your body, pushing it, you know, beyond what you thought it could. And then you decided to take on more pain and you went to the uh, the Modern Night program, and and you went through what was you know probably physically the most demanding thing you know you'd ever experienced at that point, and yeah. and you didn't give up. You're you you chose your suffering because mm. you knew on the other side you were going to be someone that you didn't recognize, but in a good way. Yeah, that's and pretty true. it it's really clear to me uh, just hearing your whole story that you know, that was a pivotal part in your life. I, I'm curious, you know, you come back from the modern night program. Uh, you really have this revelation about what suffering can look like and and how it can be leveraged for positive in your life. You have this revelation about flipping the switch and, and, you know, changing the narrative of what you believe about yourself. When, when, when that, all that clicked, what did that do to your personal life and your shop. Oh, so a
1: lot. So I think sometimes I don't see everything because I've been there for the whole bit of the journey. Um, pictures are worth a thousand words. I have a, a picture, um, a picture six months apart, uh, right before, right after that experience. And if, and I, I, I did send it to you, but most people, when I show them the comparison, they think it's years apart. Um, there is something that changes in a person's actual, there's like some scientific stuff behind this, but there's something that actually changes in a person's bone structure. Um, you've all seen the look in a person's eye before and after going to war. And I'm not i have no i'm not even i'm not even uh claiming anything close to what you know the military endures uh with death and suffering over there at all um but there's definitely something about going to battle with your inner dragon uh, and the way i know to, to teach that is if you if, if you think of a dragon and a bear and the dragon is, you know, the, the mythical beast in your head that is you're struggling against and it's loose. Like you're in, you're in the building with it and it is just loose and running around when you're listening to it roar and you don't have it locked in a room where you know where it's at and it's secure. Um, it runs your life. And so, you know, to, to, further on that you've gotta you gotta speak to yourself and not listen to what's the racket going on in your head because mo- we have so many thoughts I think it's like 50,000 thoughts a day or something like that and 90 80 90 percent of them are negative M- we're just wired to see the risk we're wired to see the downside we're wired to see the problems um, and and the bear is those things that you're walking on the path and then boom this external opposition shows up. And so you one of the ways you know that you it's a good time to keep moving forward is when the dragon is roaring in your head and the opposition is pushing against you. That's probably a good time to keep the gas pedal mash down. Because if you turn around and retreat, you're gonna go back to familiarity and you're gonna have all those same sufferings. But that's the roadblock uh, to keep you from transformation. So how's it been different? Um, we, we did, I think we had been in the, you know, 200 range for a long time, 200 K a month. Um, I was dealing, I was putting up with a whole lot of just really pathetic people in the shop. I was a people pleaser and, uh, I was just allowing a bunch of really bad behavior and, I just, my confidence went through the roof. My wife tells me all the time how different of a person I am. Um, That means a lot to me because she sees it. Um, I don't need her validation because, and that might sound weird to say it firsthand, but I, I don't genuinely need anybody's validation. Because if I give you the power to validate me, I give you the power to unvalidate me as well. So my validation comes from God and inside. Like if you tell me now, like I hate your guts and you're worthless, like cool, you're just a human man and you're going to be dead and you're never going to come to my funeral and you don't matter. And I think that we give so much credit to people that aren't going to be there for you. We listen to people that are just don't matter. We listen to people that have ant, Josephine or whatever that has a, something to say about us, we listen to that and we take that into account when it's like, cool, you have an opinion. Great, I'm going to go over here. And we that ability to just let it roll off is really hard to come by. I think too many of us shop owners, especially me early on, maybe some people don't struggle with this, but uh, I think we care too much. We care too much what people think of us and what people say about us. Uh, our ego and our identity is wrapped up with what other people say and not who we are. We don't have a relationship with the person in the mirror. We have a relationship with what other people say about the person in the mirror. And we don't really, it's like, no, I, I know that guy and I like him. He's a good guy. And I, it sounds, you know, maybe sound interesting from a, from just saying that, but you you have to have a conversation. You have to be able to look at yourself in the eye in the mirror and be like, I'm proud of that man. I'm proud of the person that that's, or woman, you know, um, I'm proud of the person that that person is, be, you know, that they have become, and I don't need someone else to come along and tell me, you know, really anything. Like it, it's, it's just words at that point. So um, we went from, in the shop, we went from like a couple hundred grand a month to 250. Um, that was in, I went through that program in February and in August, we broke $500,000 um, and we've been, we've had a few months that dipped under 400, uh, just market was a little weird. We are just trying to figure some stuff out, but we've been, we've been consistently in the 400s this year, um, four to 450 often. Like that's just, just clicking along up there. And again, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're like, we're seven miles from a 9,000, 10,000 population town. We're three miles from a 900 population town. Um, there's, it's just farm country out here. Um, so, you know, we, we don't look like a a lot. And when you walk in the shop, doesn't feel like it's crazy busy. Um, but we just have a lot of great people and they do what they need to do. Um, systems are there, they're better than they've ever been. Like there's always room for improvement. Um, never peak is a core value of mine. The best is yet to come, but you know, I'm super, there's kind of a blissfully dissatisfied I'm super grateful for where we're at and what, how far we've come. But I also, um, I also see the potential of the future, and you know that's a that's a very I'm very grateful uh, to be in that spot um, where we're at now. Relationships is probably the most, uh, probably the even more important thing. Is it's funny how when you fix yourself, people start being attracted to you instead of beforehand like people don't even there's times people don't even notice you but when you do the work inside yourself and you really um, I, just the only way I know to say it is go to battle with yourself you go to battle with your inner dialogue you go to battle with who you are as a person what you've told yourself and what you've allowed the racket to go on in your head when you when you go to battle with that in whatever fashion that looks like whatever way that looks like Um, the right people start showing up and I've talked to some other shop owners and I'm like, dude, you keep getting donkeys in the barn because your barn is built for donkeys. You're not, you don't have your shop built for thoroughbreds to come in and really perform. Everything is built around me, you know, having mediocre people on staff. Um, and you know, when you level up as a person, a rising tide lifts all the ships, The law of the lid, like if you're not pushing yourself to the next level, what will happen is the people that are growing and developing under you, they will become equal with you. And then for them to continue to grow, they have to exit your company. So you're raising people up and people get, you hear this story, people get in the trap. man, I hate training people because as soon as I get them kind of close to what they need, they leave. Well, yeah, because you're not growing. You're not continuing to push yourself to the next and fight that next battle, whether that's internal, external, facing the dragon, facing the chaos in the world, the crazy situations. If you're not facing that next battle and going to the next level, then you're not creating the gap for that person to continue to level up. And when they hit a ceiling and you're their ceiling, they're either going to go around it or they're going to fall back down. And so you don't want them to leave. So that means you must. You must continue to grow. So, um, I don't know if that h- helps tie in with anything, but it's just um, relationships on all fronts. It's this crazy thing. Men want respect more than anything, but it's kind of like if you go into business to make money, you'll never have money. But if you go into business for a purpose or a cause or a passion, the money will show up as a byproduct. It's kind of the same way if you're like i must be respected nobody's ever going to respect you but if you do the things that make you respect yourself and you lead yourself first other people start respecting you more and more as time goes on um and a, a, another note on that is you know there's a, a a strategy i learned called wolf pack leadership and there's always somebody in the front in the middle in the back and the alpha is typically in the rear there's some lead people up front and there's so many great analogies out of that both from jumping into the team with you like in the trench jumping in the trenches with them jumping in with the weak and the vulnerable that's where they put the the young pups in the in the older ones of the group is in the middle and then they've got their strong foragers <clears throat> in the front that forge a path through the snow and then their their alpha leader is at the very back and looking at the rear guarding the rear covering and if you're not in that place where you're actually protecting the people nobody's ever going to respect you because the moment that you don't protect them all the respect that you built just gets removed away from you um so anyway i just you know one of the one of the lines of you know they call it a creed um one of the lines of the creed for the for the modern day night men is I protect those that can't protect themselves, and there's a lot that goes into that. But there's so many elements of that in leadership. Is that I've got to protect my people from the enemy outside, whether that be uh, uh, a wild customer situation, and it could also mean somebody inside the company. And if I don't protect my great people from a cancer inside the company, I'm not. I'm not a great leader at all.
0: Darren, I'm getting a picture here of what the result of your transformation is. I I know, you know, you mentioned earlier that in school you studied, uh, you know, science around plants and things like that. And uh, you've become a tree, a really tall, mature tree that has wide branches and you have a covering over the people that, that you have influence over and i love what you said about as a leader you have to continue to grow above those you lead or they're going to recognize hey mm-hmm. i'm at the same level as this guy i want to grow i can't outgrow him i'm out mm-hmm. and so you're you know what you've done is is really you know remarkable man and you are such a good example of when you do the work and the work is different for each person but That's it right. always involves some sort of pain and some sort of dealing with you know your demons or whatever you want to call it, dealing with false narratives, whatever that is for you, health, whatever. Uh, the end result is not only is your life improved, but all the people that you influence, so they are affected. Uh, so Darren, I, I'm so grateful for you spending the time giving us this insight. Uh, and I know that there's people listening that are having revelations, um, and, and your, you know, influence is continuing to spread and I'm, you know, it's amazing to hear how quickly that grew the shop and what that's done, you know, I'm sure for your community and your employees and, and ultimately, you know, your family as well. And the legacy that you're leaving.
1: Yeah. That's super important to me is, uh, Leaving, leaving more important things than money, because again, money only solves money problems. But if you don't have any problem-solving abilities, you're pretty, you're pretty short-handed when it comes to life. So yeah, that's there's a whole other conversation about legacy and what does that actually mean. And I think a lot of people get confused as to what they're doing, and they try to leave a ton of money. And my perspective is probably very different on that. Uh, but we'll see. I'm pretty young. I got a lot of time to figure that out. I hope, but we'll get there.
0: Well, Darren, I have one more question for you today. Okay, if you were a vehicle, what type of vehicle would you be? It's a great question.
1: If I was a vehicle, what type of vehicle would I be? Um, huh. Well, I've always had a. I'm kind of an old soul in a young body. Um, And so it would probably be something. I would probably be some sort of uh, LS swapped uh, classic vehicle. That's probably the best uh, representation of who I would be and who I am is probably, you know, a lot of, a lot of modern uh, performance, but some definitely some taste in uh, eccentricities of the days gone by, how about that?
0: Nailed it, <laughs> I mean, it's great. Well, Darren, thank you again for spending some time with us today. You've imparted a ton of wisdom and I'm so grateful.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me on, Thomas.
0: It's been great. Absolutely, absolutely. I had no absolutely. idea I would enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, you did great. Thanks. That was my interview with Darren Adams. I want this show to serve and impact as many people in our industry as possible. To help me in that mission, please subscribe to the show, leave us a review, and tell others about us. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-645-3683. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.